So as we begin today, I want to title this lesson. I was I always asked the Lord what should be called, and usually on Saturday at some point in time, uh, the Lord will give me a little little catchphrase of some kind to make it to be the title. And today I want to talk to you about the wages of sin. That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see the wages of sin. We've been talking the past few weeks about the downfall of mankind, the sin, the temptation, and now we're going to see the punishment. There is a wage to pay to be paid to us when we sin, and we're going to see that today. So as we get ready to start, let's pray and ask the Lord to, to, to guide us this morning as we go through His Word so that we'll see what we need to see. Amen. Father, we come to You today in Jesus' name. God, we give You thanks for Your goodness and mercy. We thank You, Lord, for each and every person that's able to be here today. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You for Your presence, and we thank You for salvation through Jesus. Lord, as we look into the book of Genesis today about the wages of sin, open our eyes today, open our ears, and open our hearts to understand. Help us to see, Lord, that the problems we see in our world are not your fault, but they're the fault of people like us who are sinful by nature. And we're going to see that the wages of sin were very costly and are still costly today. So, Father, we ask us today in Jesus' name, be with us, and may you receive honor and glory in all that's done here today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the wages of sin, we've talked about the past few weeks, and we talked last week about how everybody played the blame game. Remember? Uh, he come to Adam and said, Adam, how come, why are you hiding from me? Well, I was naked and I was afraid, and I heard you coming, so I hid. Well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat the forbidden fruit? Why did you eat the forbidden fruit? Well, the woman that you gave to be with me. She gave it to me and I ate. And he asked the woman, what is this that you've done? Well, the serpent deceived me. And that's where we finished up last week is everybody played the blame game and didn't accept responsibility and repent for the things that they'd done wrong. So as we begin, I just have a little thing to lead into it that the Lord had me to write down. The wages of sin are very costly. The penalty for blatantly disobeying God had exacted a steep price for all of mankind and also the rest of God's creation. Romans 6 and 23 says that the wages of sin is death. God told them in the beginning, if you eat the forbidden fruit, you will die. The devil deceived them and tricked them and talked them out of the fact that, yes, they would die. And now we saw, like we said last week, one of the saddest things that we will ever know in life was to see Adam and Eve who were in perfect relationship with God now hiding from Him because they had sinned. Today we're going to see the cost of willful sin. So let's take a look at Genesis 3 and 14. We're going to see now that <clears throat> everyone wants to talk about today, it's a very popular theme within Christianity that they just go hyperactive on the fact that God is love. And they say, well, God would never put anybody in hell. God would never punish anybody. God would never do that. They haven't read the Bible. As much as God is love, He is also going to judge those who have done wrong. And so because God is completely holy and completely righteous, he has to, there has to be a punishment now to Adam and Eve because they had sinned willfully. They didn't accidentally fall into this. They knew not to do it. They did it anyway, and now there has to be a punishment. And we'll see that today. So as we look in verse 14, this is where God says He has to lay down the punishment. So in verse 14 it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, 
You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Verse 14, let's, let's look at it first. He's punishing the serpent because he deceived Eve. And of course, we know that the devil took the form of the serpent and did this. And Since the serpent was the instigator of Adam and Eve's disobedience, he was the instigator. He couldn't make them do it, but he deceived them and tricked them and tried to talk them into it, okay? So since he was the instigator... <clears throat> God punished that serpent and every serpent from that point on would ever live. And 6,000 years later, isn't it interesting that every snake you see crawls around on its belly and eats dust, just like the Lord said. The cost of deception for the serpent and all its offspring was high. And this was seemingly a harsh punishment, but in this, I want you to see this. People will look at this and say, well, it wasn't the, the offspring's fault. Why do snakes 6,000 years later still have to, to fall under this curse? <clears throat> the only thing that I can tell you is this. This proves to us how much God hates deception. Amen? God despises deception. See, there's a certain thing called lying, which is a part of a deception, but there's also people who are deceitful. <coughs> and God hates deception. Amen. <coughs> this serves as a warning to us to never exercise deceptive tactics. See, you can sneak around and do sneaky things, and it may not technically be a lie, but if it's deceptive, where's that coming from? <coughs> That's coming from the wicked one. That's coming from the devil. He's the father of lies. Amen? And that's the trick he used. Those tricks are of the devil and we must never allow deception to be a part of our life. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Verse 15. It's pretty interesting. <clears throat> I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Several different things here that I want to point out. Start with this. <clears throat> Isn't it neat that about 99% of people that you talk to can't stand a snake? Most people, they just get that thing away from here, get a hoe, get a shovel, kill it, get it out of here. I don't want it, don't want to touch it, don't want to be around it. And the other 1% <clears throat> that aren't weirded out by snakes, they're weird themselves. Think about it. There are people within Christianity who have <coughs> decided they need to worship with snakes. God said, I put enmity between mankind and snakes. Amen? Amen. <coughs> and this is the enmity or division that God placed between humans and serpents. And here also, and this is where I really would like to, to spend some time with you. Hold on one second. <coughs> This is the first prophecy of a coming Messiah. Right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. 
He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. <clears throat> What's it saying? What's it telling us? Here's a reference to an offspring of the woman bruising the head of the serpent's offspring with his heel. <clears throat> In other words, there'll be a man born to a woman who will tread upon the head of the devil and all his offspring. And this defeat will be so extreme that when the woman's offspring defeats the serpent, it will bruise the heel of the Messiah. In other words, when he defeats this serpent, he will stomp it so hard that it will bruise his heel. That's putting a hurting on the serpent. We know that Jesus accomplished this. I want you to think about this for a minute. When Jesus died on the cross, it appeared to everybody, the devil and the demons included, that Jesus was defeated. That this long-awaited Messiah had been defeated. <clears throat> but on the third day, He rose from the dead and therefore dealt the ultimate defeat to the devil, the people who were responsible, and everybody else that didn't want anything to do with Jesus. <clears throat> the powers of darkness are powerless against Jesus. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus will bear a scar forever in eternity that he was crucified on the cross. That's the bruise. But it didn't defeat him, did it? Guess who's defeated? The devil. The devil has no power over you. If we don't give him any authority or any power in our life, he has none over us. He can affect our health. He can affect our well-being. He can do all these things, but he cannot take our soul. Amen? Because Jesus has bruised his head. Yeah. Amen? Jesus has given that, us that power also over darkness when he saved us from our sins. He has no authority over us anymore. We're no longer his servant. Amen? Amen. Verse 16, I'd like to point this out to you. To the woman, <clears throat> he said, so he's dealt with the serpent for his part in his role in this deception, in this sin, in this fall. Now he's going to deal with Eve and her, her part of it. <clears throat> to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. The cost of sin for Eve was high as well. Now she will sorrow and be in pain when she gives birth to children and also conception will also be difficult for her. Isn't it interesting that after 6,000 years this is still true for women who live today. Think about the amount of issues that people have getting pregnant, carrying to full term, and then actually having children. So a lot of technicalities and problems and things that go on. Now here in our society, the last 50, 60 years, they have improved that greatly. But you go back 100 years, there were no epidurals. There were no things to take. And when women brought forth children, it was rough. Amen. Many women couldn't get pregnant. Those who did had many miscarriages, those kinds of things. It's part of a curse because of sin. And it's interesting to me that it's still true to this day. God wants people to look around and see the cost of sin. What the wages of sin is. What sin will pay you when you engage in it. Amen. 
when it says that uh, in that part it says, your desire shall be for your husband. <clears throat> it's also interesting to me that women are the weaker vessel, physically speaking. Smaller frames, built different, made for different things. They just aren't able to physically do what men can do. And contrary to popular and modern belief, women do need men for certain things. Amen. There are people in this world who swell up. We don't need men for anything. Then turn right around and ask them to do things. Or need them to do things. God made it that way. God made the man to do certain things. And he made the woman to be able to do certain things. And part of her punishment was now going to be that you're just not going to be able to compete with him. You're not going to be able to accomplish the things he can accomplish. Your desire will be for Him. You're going to need Him in your life. Amen? Amen. And the other part, <clears throat> last part of verse 16, and He shall rule over you. Here we also see the cost of sin for women was when God firmly established man as the head of the house. He would be the head of the house. God says here in Genesis, this was part of God's punishment to mankind. <clears throat> now this flies in the face of modern feminism. But a home that doesn't follow this is a dysfunctional home. A man who does not rule his house well in a godly fear is a dysfunctional family, is a dysfunctional home. Anything other than God's word in the family will not work right. Amen? Verse 17. Now we get to Adam's punishment. Then to Adam he said, <clears throat> Because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of, because of this, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Adam claimed <clears throat> he had nothing to do with it. But yet we see here God exacts more punishment on him than the other two parties involved. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 2, before Eve was ever formed, before Eve was ever created, it says God put Adam in his garden and he gave him the command, don't eat the forbidden fruit. Then it was up to Adam to teach Eve after she was created. And so God holds Adam now accountable because he was the one who knew what the rule was. He received it straight from God himself. So the cost of sin for Adam and all mankind, all men that would come after, that's you and I guys, that's us was that of hard labor. There again, go back a hundred years and you didn't have backhoes and you didn't have vehicles. You didn't have all these things that everybody has now. Everything was hard. I was reading a story <coughs> of my family tree that I had never got to read it and it was the Doyle family tree and I read about some of them that lived right up the road from where I live today. Back in the 1800s, early 1900s, 
They had to walk from where we live to Glenlyn to catch a train to ride from there to Bluefield to work for the railroad. Plus, keep up with their farms. You talk about a hard life. That's just a hundred years ago. We're very blessed to live in the time we do now. Our labors aren't as hard as the people's used to be. But God made it this way. It was part of the curse for sin. That guys, I made you stronger than the women, but guess what? You're going to have to work harder than them too. You're going to sweat and you're going to strain and you're going to grunt and it's going to be hard on your body to even make a living. Amen. God cursed the ground and made it bring forth thorns and thistles. I said this before and I'll say it here as we're talking about it today. How much time, money, and energy is spent fighting thorns, thistles, and weeds? People who own property or try to farm a little bit or that kind of thing to have a crop or maybe to have animals or whatever, you know that that's one of the biggest issues you face. It's a constant struggle fighting the weeds, the thorns, and the thistles because if you let them go, some of these things that are growing now in our, our area, they will flat take over in just a couple of years. It'll look like a jungle if you don't keep that stuff cut back some way. <clears throat> Property maintenance and growing crops would be much easier if this wasn't the case. Go back again. Take a hundred years ago. People didn't have four-wheel drive tractors with cabs and brush hogs and all that kind of stuff. They had to get out there with something and cut it theirself, chop it down. Hard labor. Sin has a high price. And we see that for 6,000 years, God hasn't changed it. He said, this is the price of sin. And all these years later, we see it now. It's still that case. Amen. Verse 19. <clears throat> In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So he's telling them there that just to have a crop to eat is going to be a burdensome task. And it's going to involve sweat and hard labor. Nothing is more bugging to me than in the middle of the summer when it's hot and muggy and you're out there having to pull weeds around your tomatoes and your crops and stuff in your garden. I just can't stand it. And you realize all of a sudden you just sweat's running down your face just to have something to eat. Now people who just go to the store and buy stuff, they don't see the laborers out in the field picking those things, but you go out in those fields and these huge farms where that's taking place, guess what? Those guys are doing the labor and they're sweating to bring us food. It's the way God set it up after the fall. I want you to notice something. I had never really thought about this before. The Lord opened my eyes to it last night. <clears throat> when it says, For dust you are, for uh, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. We always know that means that that's what happens to the body. We turn back into dust. We turn back into clay. When the spirit's gone from the body, that's, that's what it is. But I never thought of it this way. So now man's going to have to work the ground. He's got to till the ground and work it and cultivate it and all that. He's going to have to eat from the ground. And when he's done with all of that, 
when he's done all that just to survive, when he dies, he's going to go right back into the ground. Wow. Do you see the cost of sin? What it did to human beings. What it did to mankind. What are we trying to say this morning then, Rick? What are you trying to say to us? This sounds like a depressing message. I'm telling you today the cost of sin so that when you are presented with the opportunity to commit sin, you'll think about this and go, no, I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to add to the sin of this world. There's enough sin going on in this world right now. Think about this. Supposedly there's 8 billion people living on the face of the earth right now. 8 billion people alive. I wonder how many sins are being committed at any one moment. And so now when the devil tries to trick me and deceive me into committing sin, I need to stop and think about this lesson today and say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that group. I don't want to add any more sins into this world. There's enough already. I see what it's cost Adam and Eve. I see what it's cost me. I see what it's costing all these other people. I don't want to be a part of that. God, lead me in the right way. Lead me away from sin and temptation. And lead me in the right way I should go. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> the cost of sin for Adam was high because he was supposed to be the leader of his household. God didn't look at him and say, well, I know that the serpent deceived Eve and then she deceived you. He didn't give him an out. I told you not to do it. So the cost now is high. God gave Adam the original command not to eat the forbidden fruit before Eve was ever created. So God held Adam to a higher standard than Eve because he was the head of the household. What do we learn from that today? Men, I'm speaking to men today. We like those verses where we talk about, you know, <clears throat> over in Galatians and places where women are supposed to be submissive to the husband. We like to pick and carry on and joke about those. But the very real truth of it is, men, you're the head of the house. And that comes with great responsibility. That is a great task that God has tasked you with. So today I want to say this to you. Men, rule your house well. In the fear and admonition of the Lord. If you don't obey God, what are the chances that your family will obey God? If you don't obey God in your house and put Him first, what are the chances that your children will follow and obey God? They will most likely do what they see. Amen? So serve God. Rule your house well in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Give them a godly example to follow. Amen? Give them a godly example to follow. And be the standard that they measure themselves against. Show them what it's like to serve Christ. Show them what it's like that sometimes you do fail and you mess up, but you go back to Him in repentance and He accepts you every single time. Amen? Men, serve the Lord with fear and admonition and bring your house along with you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So the wages of sin are costly. It's been said, I don't know where it originated, but it's a true statement. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. You see, it takes you captive. And you can't break free. And you try to turn over a new leaf and you do real good for a while and everybody pats you on the back. But deep down you know you're still wrestling and struggling. 
because we're taken captive. There's only one thing that will break that captivity. And we sang about it a while ago, the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. When it comes to obeying the Lord. See, this is what all started all this. You can eat everything in my garden that you want except this tree. You eat that tree and you'll die. And this is what started all this, was disobedience. We've learned the tricks of the devil. We've learned what he does. We've learned how we're prone to blame other people, but it falls to us. It's our responsibility. <clears throat> so when it comes to obeying the Lord, we must do it at all costs. Let us be driven to obey the Lord. Not let us obey the Lord in having to be forced to, but let us be driven by that. Lord, I want to obey you today. I want to follow your word today. Lead me by your word today. Amen? <clears throat> We've seen how greatly it cost Adam and Eve and us as well. We've seen how uh, it costs mankind even to this day. Thank God for Jesus Christ who made a way for you and I to be rescued from our sinfulness. Amen. Amen. And in closing today, may we choose to obey God. You know it's a choice you make. You can choose to obey God or you can choose to disobey Him. And we see now here in God's Word, <clears throat> from the very beginning, there's a high price to pay if we disobey. But if we obey Him, doesn't mean everything will go just great in life. Sometimes there'll be a little struggle here and there. But if we'll obey God, we won't be adding to the sin of this world and we won't be allowing ourselves to be slowly taken captive by sin once again. Amen. Let us never use deception to get our way like the serpent did. <clears throat> if it's going to involve me having to be deceptive to get what I think is a blessing, it's not a blessing. Trust me. It'll bring a curse. So if it involves deception or lying or shading the truth, no, nope, don't want it. You can keep it. It's not worth it. You see, we've talked today about the cost of sin, the wages of sin. <clears throat> and may we heed the warning from the story of Adam and Eve to never disobey the Lord willfully. Let us look around and see the high cost of sin, how high the cost of sin really is. Our prayer requests here today had some troubling things that has happened in our society because of the sinfulness of mankind. Let us look around and see that and think, I don't want to add to that. I want to be different than that. Amen? And never willingly add more sin into this fallen world. There's plenty enough now. We don't need to add to it. And may we learn from the Scriptures today that the wages of sin is death. We see it. But praise God. You know what the rest of that verse says in Romans chapter 6? But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. When He sets us free from the captivity of sin, we praise God. Amen. And then as we go along in life and sin tries to come back and take us captive again, we say, no, thank you. I'll walk with Jesus. I'm walking with the Lord. And I'm going to walk in obedience to Him. Amen?
Amen. Father, we come to you today as we've given the message which you've given us. We see now and we leave this message here today. See the fallenness of man. But yet we also see a glimmer of hope. Hallelujah. When it said there'd be one born of a woman. Hallelujah. That would come and crush the old serpent, the devil. Lord, we'll celebrate his birth here in a couple weeks. We thank you today, God, for Jesus. We thank you that he broke the captivity of sin in our lives. We thank you, Lord, we don't have to be taken captive to do his will anymore, but we do the will of God in obedience unto thy word. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for each and every person here today and whomever may hear it another way electronically later on. Father, let us see now the wages of sin. What sin will pay us? Sin will give us a payday. Oh, Father, and we don't want that payday. We don't want curse. We don't want death. We don't want to add to the sin of this world, but we want to walk in obedience unto you. Father, I pray that for each and every person who hears my voice, may we walk in obedience unto Christ our Lord and give thanks to Christ who set us free from the captivity of sin. Father, I pray you keep each and every person safe today and until the next appointed time we meet. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.